When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to react to Niners GM John Lynch's NFL Scouting Combine press conference. Dropped a ton of interesting things, a lot of things we already knew, but whenever you can get some insight from GM John Lynch, you want to talk about it, you want to discuss it, talk about Brandon Ayuk, the search for a defensive coordinator, a little bit about Brock Purdy and what this team is going to do in free agency and maybe even the draft. But first, we have uh, some homework to do, some house cleaning to take care of. Tariq Ahmed and RJ Giles are now promoted to the director of player personnel. So those guys have been there for a long time. Uh, Ahmed's been in that room for it feels like the last few years, integral part of the scouting and drafting process for San Francisco. Now going to be a co-director player of personnel, so a small change inside the front office for San Francisco. But uh, let's dive into the biggest conversation thus far, because it is consuming Niners Twitter, consuming the fan base of who is this team's next defensive coordinator going to be. I am someone who believes it's going to be Brandon Staley, uh, simply because he's the biggest name out there still that has the connections to the organizations that other guys don't, unless they're already inside, like Nick Sorensen and Daniel Bullocks. But Staley has the most experience as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, and I do think has been the most successful player, unless you want to talk about Bill Belichick or Mike Rabel. But... John Lynch today, he didn't say too much. He didn't say who they've interviewed or who they're targeting, but he did have a handful of quotes I do think will kind of point us into the right direction of when people talk about a Mike Vrabel, people talk about a Bill Belichick. When you hear a quote like this, which is, we like who we are and what we do as a defense. And I know we don't want a wholesale departure from that. Who was a wholesale departure from what San Francisco likes to do defensively? Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel. Now, many of you out there might say Brandon Steele is a 3-4 defense kind of guy. Isn't he in that category as well? Yes, but... Brandon Staley's scheme is much more adaptable to a 4-3, uh, which is what San Francisco likes to do. John Lynch did not say he is completely against changing things. Steve Wilkes last year was an indication that, hey, we don't mind tweaks here if it benefits us. The Steve Wilkes stuff didn't work out. It doesn't mean a tweak by hiring Brandon Staley wouldn't work out. But this goes on. So Lynch, we don't want to change who we are, don't want to get too far away from who we are as a defense, 
Then Tim Kawakami dropped this in a tweet, and this may have been known previously, but I do think it's good to reiterate it here. Even someone like myself, who has stated I do think this is going to be Brandon Staley's job, Tim Kawakami said this, Joey Bosa was, in a sense, unhappy with Brandon Staley's scheme. Now, Joey Bosa has a brother named Nick Bosa, who plays in San Francisco. I said from the beginning, whether it's Brandon Staley or not, Joey and Nick are going to talk, and if Brandon Staley's name is in that conversation, they are going to share their thoughts on Staley with each other. If Joey wasn't happy, does it mean Nick's going to be unhappy as well? Probably not, but that family is tight-knit, represent themselves in contract negotiations. It is a family unit to the end. Ride or die with the Bosa brothers, right? I have a hard time believing if Joey Bosa didn't like Brandon Staley's scheme and how he was utilized in it, that Nick probably wouldn't feel the same way or at least have hesitation with the team hiring Brandon Staley. Again, it's kind of a, a double talk here. I think Staley makes the most sense for the job, but if Joey Bosa's talking crap about Brandon and Nick, Nick is someone who's going to go into the office and say, look, Kyle, look, John, I don't want him here. I'm hesitant to hire this guy. Bosa was unhappy last year with Steve Wilkes, and knowing that this team like John Lynch already said, wants to get back to who they are and don't want to change too many things. Uh, you did that with Wilkes last year. I don't think you're going to please your star defensive player of the year by bringing in somebody else that doesn't get this team back to, in a sense, basics to who they've been with Sala and Ryans. Again, I, I still think Staley gets this job, but if Joey's in Nick's here saying, you don't want Brandon, don't pick Brandon, uh, it leans me to believe that someone else like a Jeff Ulbrich or guys already in the building that have known this defense under Ryan's and Salah, like Nick Sorensen, could get the job over someone like Brandon Staley. Uh, I, I do want to get to some comments here. Uh, Niners Media says, what's up? What's going on, man? Hope you're doing well. Uh, Off-season's uh, underway now. We're at the combine already. Guys in spandex jogging, running around. Uh, Randy Daytona always in the chat. Thank you so much, Randy. Randy brings this up though. Wilkes was not the first choice, and it was a rushed decision. Uh, you're right. Wilkes wasn't the first choice, but he was a top choice of theirs. Uh, Chris Harris almost got that job. I wouldn't be surprised if he's someone in those conversations again this year. But I have no evidence of that. Um, the thing is, is that this decision has to also be rushed. <laughs> you don't have time to sit around and say, well, you know, we hope we find the guy. You know, give it a month or two. You have to hire a guy this week. Scouting combines this week. You want to get that guy in the building. You want to have him discussing with Kyle and the scouts of who do you like, who do you dislike. And it's funny because Randy brings this up as say it was a rushed decision with Wilkes, John Lynch kind of addressed, do they evaluate their defensive players differently based on who that new defensive coordinator could be? He said no. He said, because we have a great idea as to who we're going to be and continue to be. So John Lynch is saying that, not that it doesn't matter, but that it really isn't that important we find the guy soon because we know, the people already in the building know, 
who we want to be, players we like, and the scheme we want to run. Which brings me back to my first point and, and Lynch's first quote, that they may like Brandon Staley, but if Joey Bosa is talking to Nick Bosa, and Nick Bosa walks in the room and says, look, I'm slapping my defensive player of the year status on the table and saying, you already gave me Wilkes, I didn't love that guy. You're going to give me Brandon Staley too, who I've heard only bad things about? Like That's going to push me away from Staley into a person like Nick Sorensen, maybe someone like Jeff Olberg with the Jets, who knows? But it's going to push me away from outside candidates that run different schemes. Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, and of course, Brandon Staley. If inside the building, they're not really rushed or concerned about we don't have the guy yet when your scouting department's putting together draft boards and interviews for certain players you want to talk to, if they don't care about that stuff, then why not hire someone on the inside? But if you're going to hire someone on the inside, why is it taking so long? Uh, Randy asks here, is it true Joey didn't like Brandon Staley? Well, I'm not Joey Bosa, but Tim Kawakami of The Athletic tweeted today that Joey was unhappy, to a certain degree, who knows how much, right, with Staley's scheme. If that's the case, it's, hey, hey, little bro, you don't want that Staley guy, and all of a sudden, boom, it's not happening. Now, again, Joey isn't Nick, Nick isn't Joey. Different players... I do think Staley gets a bad rap because a lot of defensive players were hurt. Derwin James, Joey Bosa couldn't stay healthy. They didn't draft well. Separate the Staley head coach from the Staley defensive coordinator. Separate the Staley GM drafting players from ADC. Is he the perfect guy for the job? No. As my doorbell rings. How about that during a podcast? <laughs> um, but... I do think people need to separate themselves from Staley, the head coach, and Staley, the defensive coordinator. It doesn't matter. Like, th those are two different positions. Staley is not going to have half the responsibility. It's simply going to be, be a DC, coach the defense, and get out of Kyle Shanahan's way. But you have to appease your stars. There's a reason you pay these guys so much money. You have to appease Nick Bosa. You have to appease Fred Warner. They've talked about this whole offseason. They want to remarry the front seven. What did Steve Wilkes not do? He didn't have them playing together. He was a secondary's coach, a DB coach, which is why you saw players like Lenore play a lot better. Mooney Ward, already a good cornerback, was phenomenal this year. You saw the secondary take a step up this season because Steve Wilkes. Who took a step back, though? The front seven. Couldn't tackle very well, no run defense, wasn't getting sacks. San Francisco knows... When you're playing quarterbacks like Joe Burrow, like Mahomes, like many others, you have to get home to the quarterback. They want to remarry that front seven, the linebackers and the defensive linemen playing together again. The secondary will take care of itself. So if you want to get Staley, that's my pick for who I think it's going to be. <laughs> uh, maybe Brandon Staley is out there on, on my front porch saying, hey, Nick didn't say any of this stuff. Joey Bosa likes me, but still, uh, I do think that this job is going to be Brandon Staley's unless Joey Bosa's telling Nick, hey, buddy, hey, hey, little bro, um, stay away from this guy. But even John Lynch said that even though Staley runs that 3-4 scheme, you can adapt it to a 4-3 and everything be okay. 
Um, so we're in this weird moment of like everyone's kind of talking about Brandon Staley and how they don't want him, don't like him, how he's different, doesn't work. Uh, I have a hard time believing that anybody of a higher status than Brandon Staley gets this job. Um, Shanahan's not going to want to be outdone, not going to want to be over overseen, I guess, not going to be overshadowed by Belichick or Vrabel. Staley makes the most sense when it comes to the highest status kind of guy to take this job. And I think he makes a lot of sense when it comes to his scheme, although 3-4, adaptable to a 4-3. But again, if Joey Bosa's in Nick's ear and he's saying, well, you're going to see Nick Bosa walk into that room, slap down his DPOY uh, candidacy and say, look, <laughs> you're paying me the most money for a non-quarterback. Uh, uh, I don't want Staley here. Um, people do tend to point to, like Randy does again here, and I've done in the past, that go back and watch 2020, Brandon Staley for the Rams. He, he They were really good. And that defense was nowhere close to how good this defense should be. There's stars everywhere. There's rising stars, playmakers all over this defense. I would like to think if Brandon Staley can get that much out of that Rams 2020 defense that didn't have this star power, this star, this stars all over the place, what can he get out of this defense? That's going to be healthy likely all year long. And has so many playmakers. Um, I know Brandon Staley's name scares you off, but I wouldn't put too much into his name value, but, but more into his production, not as a head coach, as a defensive coordinator. Moving on here, more of what John Lynch had to say. Some smaller things, no, no, no big impactful DC staff changes, but San Francisco being John Lynch said that he would like to retain John Feliciano this offseason. Uh, did feel like he was a good scheme fit overall. This is via David Lombardi of The Athletic. Um, he also did say that, uh, because I was concerned about this, we saw after they lost against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, on social media, John Feliciano calls out Spencer Burford, said if that guy did his job, well, Burford saw it on the play where Chris Jones got home, right? And Burford said, hey, it was my fault. But like, you never want to have teammates throwing each other under the bus. That is what Feliciano did. Uh, that's my concern. I don't want that in the locker room. But Feliciano said he was drunk. And obviously, whether it was Lynch and Burford and Feliciano together, Lynch did say that he addressed that with the team. So it feels like that they're on good terms now again. And they want to bring back John Feliciano, either as a starter or a depth piece. Um, all I know is, is that Burford messed up. We know that. We have no idea if John Feliciano wouldn't made the same mistake. Now, you have to improve right tackle. We knew that last year. Um, I also think it benefits you to draft the right guard as well. A center-right guard combo. You have to get more depth because Burford ain't cutting it. And I like Spencer Burford. He's just not it. He's a young player, makes mistakes. And when you don't play a lot in the biggest moments, that's when your mistakes get amplified that's where a veteran player like Feliciano comes in, but he was hurt, okay? Uh, I'm cool bringing back John Feliciano, but even then, he's a great run blocker, not a great pass blocker. You have to find someone that can actually protect Brock Purdy in big moments. Now, they were okay this year, but they were really bad in pass protection. I think they are 26th in pass protection, but 
As a depth piece, I like John Feliciano. If he's your backup guard and center, which he was coming into this year, I'm fine with that. Be my Daniel Brunskill kind of player. Play guard, play center. If someone goes down, step in. But as a starter, um, I don't love that idea, but there is a place for him on this roster if all is said and good with his social media antics after the Super Bowl. Uh, moving on again here, uh, John Lynch addressed what they want to do at Nickelback. I didn't say again who they wanted to bring in, but did say how important the position is. Uh, and I quote here, that position you have to address every year. You can't have enough of them. Essentially what he's saying is we have to have more depth and better players at Nickel. Now, to me... That sounds like they're not going to, or the option's open, but they view Lenore Moore as an outside cornerback because Lynch talked about Daryl Luter Jr. and gave him some praise, which I think Daryl Luter Jr. is in the mix for this team's opposite Mooney Ward outside cornerback to take Ambry Thomas's job. But here's the thing, with a team that can't afford to pay its players. Ayuk Jennings has bigger names to retain, right? I do think you would like to move Lenore back outside simply because signing an outside corner is much more expensive than a nickel back. And if you could save money at nickel to give yourself options elsewhere, that's the smarter move to do. Now, you can restructure guys and free up money, but I think it's easier for San Francisco to sign a nickel back than an outside cornerback. That being said, I would not want to move Mooney or Lenore. Lenore should be the nickel, Mooney on the outside, and find an outside cornerback elsewhere. I think that's where Daryl Luter Jr. comes in. They liked him last year during the draft process, talked him up so much, met with him a handful of times, but he was hurt all OTAs, hurt all training camp. But I do think with a healthy offseason, full OTAs, full training camp, he is going to be able to fight for that opposite Mooney Ward outside cornerback position. And San Francisco, smartly, should also should also draft somebody. There's a guy from Iowa, I think what Cooper DeJohn, whatever his name is, they like him a lot. He's a playmaker. Uh, I also do think they shouldn't draft one in the first round. This team needs to go trenches first, whether it's edge rusher or tackle, then move outside. But uh, this team is undoubtedly going to draft a, a cornerback somewhere this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they signed somebody like a Levi Wallace or Lonnie Johnson um, to kind of round out that room. It's still got Mooney. You have Lenore. You got Luter. And you have Omak and Amber Thomas. You have five guys. You essentially only need one to two more to round out that room. Uh, you tried Verrett. He's, he's always hurt. I'd want a veteran in that room. I'm thinking Wallace, Lonnie Johnson Jr., unless someone else gets released later on in free agency. But um, it does seem like they are going to target a nickel cornerback uh, outside of Lenore. They probably want to move him on the outside, but we will see as the offseason progresses. I wouldn't do that, but this team does plenty of things I don't agree with. <laughs> but one of them that I do agree with is San Francisco wanting and trying to retain Juwan Jennings beyond this season. John Lynch today said, either through a restricted free agency tender or a contract extension, they want Juwan Jennings back. Uh, yeah, you want to retain your best player during the playoffs. That was Juwan Jennings. Um, 
other guys made highlight plays. Ayuk's ladybug catch was amazing. Uh, they're going to pay him a ton of money, but you want to keep a player that run blocks, is aggressive, um, likes to be a playmaker, can be a playmaker, can play quarterback for you a little bit, but is a great receiver and likes to play football the way you have schemed up. You want to be aggressive. He can take on tight ends, cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. Jawan Jennings is the epitome of San Francisco 49er football. Um, you do not want to lose him. And you can also save some money if you extend him. Again, like Ayuk, extend them, lower the cap hit. I think Jawan Jennings, two-year contract, three-year contract, um, have him avoid free agency for a handful of years. You know, when Debo Samuel's 29 and then Jawan Jennings is about 28, 27, Ayuk's about 27, um, then you can recalibrate your receiver room. They're going to draft a guy. They always do. But the past three seasons, they've only had these three guys. I like Ronnie Bell, but the past three years and big moments, it's not Ronnie Bell. It's not McLeod, who's a free agent this year. It's Debo, Ayuk, and Jennings. Having those three guys on your offense is going to keep you in games. You have arguably the best route runner with Ayuk. You have one of the best weapons with Debo, and you have one of the more clutch receivers, more consistent receivers on third down in Juwan Jennings. You have to retain these players. Good to hear they want to extend him, not just for this year, but for many years to come. Moving along here, uh, many people are high on... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jair Brown, uh, I'll tell you this. Sometimes you watch a player on tape. Sometimes you watch a player... Uh, you know, on Twitter, you see a highlight too, and you go, mm, I'm not sold. But then you watch him on the field, at OTAs, at minicamp, and you go, man, like, this guy can play. Um, I was someone who was hesitant towards Jair Brown simply because he's slow, but that's why combine numbers can be so deceptive. You can be a slow player, but you can play really fast. And sometimes you don't get a good idea as to how good a player can be, how fast they play until you see them in person. I was someone who said, you know, Jair Brown's going to get beat by a burner receiver. And it happened this year against the Buccaneers, but he grew, he learned, had a, had a pick in that game, a pick against Mahomes, and it's much more than just that. But uh, you can see that Jair Brown has a knack for the football, and he plays so much faster in person than a 40 time would indicate. And John Lynch today said they're really proud of Jair. Tremendous impression, not only on tape, but how he spoke in the combine last year when they interviewed him. Said that uh, he's a special young man and they, uh, they that he's a stud. They're fortunate to have him. They talked about how Jair Brown would sit next to Hufunga and Gibson uh, during OTAs, minicamp, preseason, even during games when he sat the bench he wasn't idle. He didn't waste time. He asked these guys questions. What are you seeing? How'd you do that? You know, how'd you know to be in this certain position at this certain time? 
he picked their brain and said that Jair Brown didn't waste any time when it came to growing as a player mentally, right? Sitting behind Gibson and Hufanga makes a ton of sense. His play style is like Gibson, but there's so much intelligence you can learn from Tishon Gibson and even Logan Ryan later this season. Like Jair Brown had maybe the best of both worlds. A player like your play style in Hufanga that, that plays quick, plays fast, wants to be around the ball. Then you have two smart, intelligent, winning players in Gibson and Logan Ryan. And Jair Brown soaked all that in. Um, he also called uh, uh, Jair Brown a stud. So they're really encouraged by him. Uh, I know one thing that kind of doesn't get discussed is Hufunga's torn ACL. Toward middle of the year, should be back by preseason at the latest. I'm sure training camp as well. But knees are tricky. Some guys aren't the same you know, a year into their injury. It takes them a whole year to kind of get back to who they are. I would not be surprised if at certain times uh, they put Brown at strong safety and they bring somebody else on the field if Hufanga isn't 100% yet. Or they go and sign a free safety, a veteran guy not going to make too much money, but and move Jair Brown over to strong safety at times this year. They played a lot of three safety sets in the Super Bowl. Depending on who they hire, I do think it would benefit them if they bring a veteran safety in. You got two young safeties that are your starter. You want to have veteran presence behind them. I also think it benefits San Francisco to looking to drafting a safety again as well. Uh, you're probably going to lose to Sean Gibson to retirement. Maybe. Maybe not. Certainly an option. You're probably not going to retain Logan Ryan. Uh, so you're going to have George Odom. You're going to have Jair Brown and Hufunga. You got to bring someone else in. Taylor Hawkins, I like him a lot, but practice squad, you know, Week 18 starters kind of been his ceiling so far. You got to bring somebody else in. But right now, there's so many encouraging things to see from Jair Brown. And they're really excited about him heading into his second offseason with the team. But let's get to the big stuff. Let's get to what you really care about, and that's Brock Purdy. Uh, I want to marry and combine these two comments because what John Lynch said about Brock Purdy to me lines up with what and how they're going to handle Brandon Ayuk. So the quote John Lynch said when asked about Brock Purdy in the quarterback position was, it's a nice feeling to have stability at the quarterback position. It gives us a lot of confidence going in and it's like building around him. It gives you a foundation to build off of and that's a really good feeling. That quote in the middle, it's like building around him. Okay, what do you do when you want to build around your quarterback? You give them the best weapons to surround themselves with that they can excel and succeed with. Well, what does that mean for Brandon Ayuk? It means, hey, he's going nowhere. And we're going to bring in and keep, retain, resign the best weapons we got. That's Brandon Ayuk. How do you build around Brock Purdy? You bring back Brandon Ayuk. Young quarterback, cheap contract. Now is the time to retain your number one receiver. Then you go into what John Lynch said about Brandon Ayuk. Okay. Again, we talked yesterday. He ain't getting traded. None of that stuff's going to happen. But here's what John Lynch said about Brandon Ayuk. 
we have a lot of good players who, we, who we've rewarded, right? Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and others, right? They think incredibly high of Brandon Ayuk. He's one of their favorite guys in the building. The way he approaches the game. He's a competitor. He's a warrior. He plays with such physicality, also with grace, in the way some of the positions he puts his body into. Then he's got the flair for making plays when they matter most. So he's clutch. He's great. He's a competitor. He's a warrior. Doesn't that sound like the kind of guy you bring back and retain? The quote keeps going here. He serves the franchise very well. We've got a nice track record of extending the players that are important to us, and Brandon is a guy we want to keep around for a long time. So you have a young quarterback in Brock Purdy making literally zero money when it comes to NFL structures and salary caps, and you have a guy who you just said essentially is an awesome star player that means the world to you that you want to keep around for a long time. Again, Brandon Ayuk is going nowhere. They're not trading him. They're not cutting him. And everyone points to DeForest Buckner. Everyone points to, well, they traded Buckner away. That happened, what, five years ago now. Five years ago. And that still stinks. The funny thing is, San Francisco learned their lesson. Now, Buckner and Ayuk are different players, different positions. The value of those certain players are very different, right? A receiver and a trench player, the value, especially on San Francisco, is very different. People are asking, you know, are you expecting them to pay two receivers $24 million per year? No, because the average salary is irrelevant. It's not actually how the contracts are structured. Yeah, I can say $24 million per year. The reality is it's like $8 million this year, then it's like $35 the next year, then it's like $15 the next year. They're structured in a way where it goes up and down. Now, some years are worse than others when it comes to how much money goes towards the cap. Nick Bosa, making a ton of money coming up. Deshaun Watson is making a ton of money against the cap for the Browns. Derek Carr making a ton of money against the cap for the Saints, right? It's all about how you structure, okay? But again, going back to DeForest Buckner, San Francisco trades Buckner away, gets a first-round pick, gets good value for that player, only for the next year to draft Javon Kinlaw, realize, oh my God, his knees can't hold up, he's a bust, you get one good year from the guy, which was this year, thank you, Javon, did your best, then in that same offseason, when you've realized Kinlaw's a bust, you don't extend his fifth-year option, don't pick it up, you go, Savine, you go sign Javon Hargrave, who was your Buckner replacement? You said, oops, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have traded Buckner all along. Should have resigned the guy. Okay. What do you do now? You learn from your mistakes then to not repeat them. You have Brandon Ayuk. You cannot trade Ayuk for a first-round pick, which you're probably not going to get anyways. Then just to draft his replacement. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I think San Francisco is a smart organization. They all make mistakes. Every team, every franchise makes mistakes through free agency and drafting, through coaching hires. Steve Wilkes, 
Isaiah Oliver, Javon Kinlaw. It happens. It happens. I do think the DeForest Buckner one crushed them so much, they learned from that mistake pretty easily and pretty early on once it happened. If Armstead, you win a lot, it fixes things, but there's a reason why you signed Javon Hargrave to replace DeForest Buckner to fill the gap he left, right? I think they realize that gap that Ayuk's going to leave if they trade him, but they're not going to, but if they did trade him, would be just as big. Now, it's a receiver, but this team has also had a hard time finding receivers. Dante Pettis, Danny Gray, Jalen Hurd, a ton of guys that you're like, wow, like what could have been? The last thing you do in the NFL is trading away established stars for what could have been, unless you have a Jamar Chase waiting in the wings. People always point to Kansas City. Why'd they trade Tyreek Hill? Because they chose to, not because they had to. You can restructure and extend players and manipulate that cap in any way you want to. Yes, a receiver is not as valuable as a defensive tackle or defensive end or a quarterback. We know that stuff. Teams are not going to choose to extend players at positions they don't find as much value in. But here's the thing. The Chiefs have Mahomes on a massive contract San Francisco has Brock Purdy. In just two years, Debo Samuel's contract's up. You can sign Ayuk this year, and at age 29, if you don't want to bring back Debo, you ain't got to bring him back. Or you extend him and lower that cap hit even further. Like, John Lynch's press conference didn't tell us a ton, and it kind of told us things we already knew. But basically... The DC is going to be someone that makes our front seven comfortable, makes our stars comfortable. Brandon Staley could be that guy, but we're going to be who we've always been, who our identity is. We're going to re-sign Brandon Ayuk. We're going to make sure to retain Juwan Jennings, guys that fit the style of play we want to. There wasn't much to glean and learn from today. But it was almost a verbal reiteration as to what we should have already known. The DC going to make this team comfortable again. Get back to who they were with Ayuk. Or excuse me, get back there with Ryans and Sala. We're going to re-sign our stars and bring back players that we know fit the way we like to play. Feliciano, Juwan Jennings, and more importantly, Brandon Ayuk. That's all that today was. All it was. Very easy, no breaking news, just simply, here's an update, here's everything you should have already known, because it's pretty obvious as to what they're going to do. <laughs> they're going to bring back their stars, recalibrate during the draft, sign a vet here or there, and try to win the whole dang thing once again. Like, this offseason is pivotal when it comes to how you draft, but... When it comes to bringing back players in free agency and how it's going to look from a semantics perspective, this is going to be one of the most straightforward off-seasons, unless something crazy happens we've seen from this team. Oh, Devo's a free agent. They're going to bring him back. Bosa wants, this, wants an extension. They're going to bring him back. Ayuk wants an extension. They're going to bring these guys back. It's what they do. It's how they value their players, value their stars. And if anything... 
Brandon Ayuk today, this year, proved you he's not expendable. <laughs> like, you can find receivers elsewhere. Brandon Ayuk's do not grow on trees. Danny Gray ain't that guy. Ronnie Bell's not that guy. Dante Pettis wasn't that guy. Jalen Hurd wasn't that guy. And I can even argue Debo Samuel isn't that guy. Brandon Ayuk's do not grow on trees. You hear other cornerbacks talking about Brandon Ayuk, not Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk over other stars in the league, you retain a 25-year-old star that is budding into a superstar. You have to bring him back. They're going to bring him back. It's going to be a simple, straightforward, here's a plan offseason, and all John Lynch today did was kind of map that thing out for you. Bring back our stars, retain players that we like, that fit what we like to do, and the DC is going to be someone that makes our players comfortable again. That's all it was. It was an NFL combine pressure where half the questions are about Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, Stanford, and like, oh, like, what about John Feliciano? <laughs> That's basically all it was. Basically, all it was. People think that because, well, but this guy's a free agent that San Francisco is going to kind of betray who they've been since Shanahan and Lynch got here. Like, they've made it abundantly clear. If you play well, and you prove to us you have some staying power, we're going to bring you back. They extended D Ford. <laughs> they drafted Javon Kinlaw. Like, they're going to bring you back if you play well. Even if it's for a year or for a different team. If you play well and you have a history of playing well, they're going to bring you back. And all the stars they've drafted that have performed well year after year, they've brought back Trey Greenlaw, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and others. Brandon Ayuk is going to be no different. No different. That's all I have today for you guys. Uh, scouting Combine starts later this week. Again, guys in spandex running around with their butt crack showing <laughs> and doing 40 times. Can't wait to watch that all day, right? Look, Scouting Combine's coming up. Hoping we can get some news as to who they're talking to, who they're visiting with. I hope I have a couple guys in my brain that I hope they're talking to. Taj Washington at USC. Uh, there's some other guys as well. Malik Corley or Malachi Corley. Whew, there's some good guys, late rounders that could be steals and would really, really help San Francisco's offense. But again, you gotta go trenches first. Tackle, edge. This draft is going to be so fun. Because we have a first-round pick again. You can get a tackle. You can get an edge rusher. Go out and sign one of these big boys to help us get back to win a Super Bowl. 11 picks. Free agency still ahead of us. And it all kind of begins this week. NFL scouting combine. Cannot wait to see and kind of get an idea as to where this team's mindset is when it comes to the draft. Who they're visiting with. Who they're talking with. I'm really really excited but again that's all i have for you today all i have for you today during the draft randy i'll be sitting on my butt watching it maybe doing the show afterwards uh, but in the process leading up to the draft diving into prospects who i like who i don't like late round picks first round picks we are going to have a full comprehensive mock draft pre-draft then post-draft gonna react to the draft itself diving into every 
single prospect. The draft coverage here is going to be in-depth. Going to dive into every single player and have a ton of fun doing so. Randy, thank you for watching. Many others in the chat, thank you for watching and listening. If you could, leave a, leave a like, share, subscribe, and leave that review either on YouTube or the audio platforms. Follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter or X. 49ers.access is the Instagram. And because I'm a kind soul, I want to give you $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Go on SeatGeek.com, use promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeekAgain.com and save $20 off your first purchase. It's Tuesday, a long week ahead of us, but the scouting combine starts later this week, so don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And as always, until next time, stay faithful. Mm -hmm.